you know, so many young people just do something stupid and end up in the system. And unfortunately, they're not always fair. Thousands, maybe millions of, of families have been um, adversely, I don't know how to say, adversely affected by someone going to prison in their family. And what's so sad about it is it's that um, they're not always violent crimes. They're not always violent crimes. Now, I'm going to be very honest. I don't believe in a lot of redemption when it comes to, uh, you know, violent crimes, heinous crimes. I, I don't have a lot for that. But for someone to have to spend decades in a jail cell because they did something stupid, like these looters, like these young people that don't have any hope, they feel hate, helpless. Well, I'm going to tell you a story, or I'm going to let my guests tell you a story about a young man who had the whole world was his, it was his oyster. Joining me is his advocate, uh, is Troy Bly. He's a business manager and film writer and executive producer of, uh, of Duke's bio, biopic, Duke Got Next. Nice to talk to you again, Troy. How are you? Oh, I'm great. How you doing? Thank you so much for having me on this morning. Oh, it is my pleasure. And why don't you tell our listeners before we get started a little bit about yourself and how you became an advocate for Duke? All right. Um, well, I'm like you said. I'm, I'm a businessman. I've been in business for uh, over over 23 years. Uh, and I'm from Gary, Indiana, originally. And Duke was uh, actually I went to school with with Duke's uh, younger sister. Mm-hmm. And about three years, a little, a little over three years ago, Duke reached out to me from behind bars and asked, "Could I represent him?" Because uh, I was representing uh, talent. Uh, I have some some clients from from Gary and just from local area mm-hmm. that I was representing and. He told me, he said, you know, if you take me on as a client, I'll be your biggest client you ever had. And I believed him <laughs> and from day one. And to go back a little bit further, Duke was someone I looked up to wow. uh, growing up in Gary. He was a he was a superstar, you know, in the, in the making. He had everything, um, just just a, a, a positive person in the community. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody loved Duke. Everybody saw that he was next to, to make it out. You know, he, he was well on his way. And Duke, when Duke, I got the Duke Tanner, you can tell our listeners he was an undefeated um, fighter. Um, yeah, so yeah, Duke was Duke was a child prodigy. Wow! Uh, out of the city of Gary, he grew up um, one of the best amateur records, you know, in, in boxing. Uh, he was a junior Olympian, uh, bronze medalist in the junior Olympian in the junior Olympics. Uh, he turned down going to the Olympics to go pro uh, at the age of 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was just a young, bright star in the community. He grew up boxing through the Gary Powell organization, the Police Athletic League. Mm. So just, just just boxing, and that was his life. It was all about boxing. Anyone that knew Duke knew that you know, he was 100% committed to you know, going to the Olympics and, and of course, turning pro. 
you know, when and, I talk and, and, when I talked to him, um, uh-huh. I could tell there was something very special about him. And I just, you know, I wonder if I would have been as benevolent as you are because you went to school with the sister and you knew the family. But this this takes time, what you're doing for, for Duke Tanner, how you're trying to get his sentence reduced. I mean, what's an, oh, yeah. aver- what's I, an average day look like for you when, when you're working on his behalf? Well, first, I mean, it's been over. I dedicated my whole life around this, okay. not just getting him free, but learning everything about him. I talk to Duke every day of my life. We we email all day long. We we talk on the phone every single day. You know, it's an average day is at some point they used to be sending out hundreds of emails a day just wow. getting people just to listen to what we were trying to do. Reaching out to every media station and, you know, getting returned down time and rejected. And reaching out to different celebrities, which was trying to get people to, to to rally behind them, and we did have some. We had a lot of success. I remember when we had um, his change dot org account. I remember when we were decided to get a few thousand, you know, signatures, and then all of a sudden it went viral. Mm-hmm. And then we got up to eighty one thousand signatures. Almost, I mean, it just I couldn't believe it. When we woke up one day, I thought the thing was broke, right. and all of a sudden. We went up to like 40 and 50, just kept going. And it was just like, wow. You know, so for us, we, we, we looked at that, that as like a miracle almost to the point that, you know, to get all of this support. And like I said, it's just been a, it's been a journey. Like I said, I dedicated my whole life around it, but I, I, I appreciated the whole journey. And I told him my head is back. And, you know, I wouldn't stop working until he got free. So, so tell, it's been over three and a half years later, wow, you're almost there. That's a, that's that's quite a commitment. So, how did he end up behind bars? Uh, as I was saying in the beginning, you know, young people, you know, if he's got, you know, the world is his oyster. Why did he make that mistake? And he told me he says quick money. So, tell our listeners what happened. Well, you gotta understand, you know, his situation. He's a young guy. Turned pro at 18, while everybody else is going to college, he's signing a six-figure boxing contract. Mm-hmm. He has everyone telling him he's the greatest. He has everyone wanting to flock to him and be around him. You know, and unfortunately, you know, just like people have the right guidance on certain things, sometimes he had the wrong guidance. He had a lot of people leading him down the wrong direction as well. And as we all know, in the inner cities, Drugs play a, a big factor in a lot of people's lives, and that in, that included in his life, where you know even with his parents. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was some of the things that he turned pro, but he was able to get his parents off of drugs. Wow! During that time, you know, he was able to move his parents out the hood and and, and get them in a you know, get them in a better situation. He was able to take care of a lot of people. So yeah, it was fast money, but a lot of pro ball players and entertainers face these same challenges. Mm-hmm. They're young, they get this money, you have friends that want to show them how to invest or flip it or invest it in the wrong things. Mm-hmm. And Duke got caught up in that. But the one thing about Duke was that he, he was special where he could have did anything. He could have sold lemonade and been successful. You know, right. he, he was one of those type of people. When he just kind of got caught up into a little bit of the fast money and it was very normal. 
uh, during that time for a lot of athletes to invest in him. So it's not that he was per se on the corner selling drugs. That was not his lifestyle. But when you make enough money that you can maybe fund certain things, right? You know that that that, that happened. And see, he was so, he had so young. So many people he was taking care of. Yeah, right. he was young. The the one question I have because um, drugs had a negative impact on his life with his mom and dad. Why would he? Why why would he sell death? You know what I'm saying? What? Why would you? That's why we're talking about redemption. You know, we look at mm-hmm. the people like Larry Hoover's and Jeff Fort. They sold death mm-hmm. to their own communities. How do you wrap right. your brain around that? We're talking to Troy Bly, business manager and film writer and executive producer of Duke's uh, Tanner's biopic, Duke Got Next. How many years was he sentenced, uh, Troy? He was sentenced to double life in prison. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking he- about. Double life, first arrest, nonviolent. His first mugshot was his last mugshot. Double uh, he life. From, literally, literally from fighting on ESPN to a month later. That is, it's, it's incredible. A double life sentence for, and he was caught selling drugs, drugs to a Fed, right? I'm sorry, repeat yourself again. I'm sorry, I cut out a little bit. Sorry about that. He was set up, uh, and he ended up selling drugs to feds. Um, This is incredible. Conspiracy, conspiracy to sell, yes. Yes. With conspiracy to sell, yes. By informant. Wow. So what what is your path? How are you trying to help Duke right now? Are you trying to get a sentence reduced? Because you're thinking he should be home by 2021, Right. Right. Well, in twenty in twenty sixteen, he was able to get his sentence um, reduced, and and so now we're fighting for a uh, clemency by the president. Okay. Or we're fighting for uh, compassionate release through the courts. Mm. So we have a nation of some that we're fighting for right now for him. And you have been working on this for for years. I know that Duke is really grateful to you. But what yes. do you say to these hardcore, you know, tough on crime uh, people? You cannot possibly think, in my opinion, that anybody should get a double life sentence for a selling of drugs. And it was it wasn't a whole lot of drugs, was it? No, it was just a conspiracy. It was just, just a conspiracy. conspiracy of selling it. They, they labeled him as a leader, and they built this case up. So the, this is the the reason why the system is so flawed. Mm-hmm. If he could have took ten, fifteen years a plea, you know, they just make you, they force you into a plea, right? But he fought it. He fought his case for four years, lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees, right? had everybody imaginable, you know, speaking for him as character witness, and the judge used that against him. They used they used his celebrity status against him. They said he's too powerful. A young man was too powerful. To have all of this behind him, they, they, they looked at that as he had too much power. And and they they basically crucified him. They gave him a death sentence. Do you remember? And that's what's sad about it. 
Do you remember what Duke looked like when he heard his sentence? When we talk about it a lot, because this is something that's going to be in the movie, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a really, really uh, intimate scene in the film. It, it just—he said it was—he just stuck. That he was just stuck. He didn't have a reaction. He couldn't move. So he didn't show emotion like you would think. He just took it like really like took it like a punch. Mm-hmm. But the reaction in the courtroom was hysterical, crying, screaming, shouting. Is it was something no one no one thought that it was no way in the world he woke up thinking that he was going to get double life in prison. He was actually hoping to possibly even have a time served because he he fought it for four and a half years before he they kept pushing his trial back. He kept fighting, kept fighting, and to get a double life was wasn't even on the table. Do you think that so this judge whole, had a bias against Duke because he was black absolutely. because he was on the way to success. Do you think it was a bias? I mean, did you, I mean, you can tell when people hate you just by who, you know, you can tell. And that's what absolutely you, and you could see it, couldn't you? Absolutely. And the thing is, is that you use Duke as an example. You know, he wanted to, what he didn't like was when you start having politicians and all of these, well-known people in the community come to speak up for you. Mm-hmm. That's power. A young black man to have that type of power, that's not heard of, <laughs> you know, during that time. Right. He was resentful. The judge was intimidated. Was, yeah. Yeah, that, that was, that was, and he wanted to set an example. He used Duke as an example. And, and at this point blank period, and, then, and he crucified this young man and gave him a death sentence. See, this is another example of how they don't value our lives. I mean, forget the fact that this man has a son. Uh, Forget Mm -hmm. the fact that he has a family that was depending on him. They just don't see us Mm -hmm. as humans. They don't see uh, any value. Never would have gave a white kid that kind of a sentence. Never. 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 Never would have. They would have broke the sentencing guidelines. They would have. They would have found a way to get around any type of sentencing guidelines to to shorten that up. Wow, so, it's just the system, and that's why we're fighting so hard right now to just get these laws all the way changed. You have so many people that's going to die in prison over. They might have sold some drugs 30 right. years ago, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Or we, we all know about the war on drugs and the three strikes, you know, that that happened. And well, the crime bill. People. Yeah. yeah. They, they took all our they took our black men out of the communities. They took them out of the homes. You know, yeah. it, it's sad. Wow. And I'm, I am imagine- all through Gary. You know, I want to hear from you guys. 773-591-1690. Is this the kind of young man that you can look at and say, there is redemption? Should he have been given a life sentence? And and as even uh, our guest says, he he was crucified. Is there redemption? Do you have, can we have compassion for someone like this? Now, like I said, violent crimes, hey, I'm, you know, that it's not my judgment. You've got to deal with God on that one. 
But for something like this, Mm-mm. we have been talking to Troy Bly, who has been an advocate for Duke Tanner uh, for a long time. And um, Duke is still in federal prison. And uh, Troy, tell me about the movie real quick before I let you go. I've got a bank full of calls. So um, what, what, when do you think that this um, biopic is going to come out? Hello? Okay. Well, all right. All right. I'm here. I'm here. I'm okay. here. So yeah. because of COVID, okay. sorry about that. All right. So because of COVID, things have been pushed back a little bit, but we're hoping to uh, start production sometime this, this winter. Okay. And we're looking at hopefully by next summer, the film will be uh, in theaters. All righty then. Troy, thank you so much. I'm going to be talking to you a little later on this week when you, when we have uh his son. How old is his son? Uh, his son is uh, just turned uh, 18. Is yeah. getting ready to go off to college Thursday. Star football player. Uh, playing football in college. Oh, man. That's awesome. All right, then. So, listen, I'll talk to you later on this week. Have a good day. Uh, we're going to actually talk to you tomorrow with you and CJ. So, yes. All right. Yes. I, will, I will talk to you then.